Hello, this is Tommy Franks. Welcome to the Four Star Leadership Podcast, a product of the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum. We're here to get a view into the lives of the legacy makers, the movers and the shakers of today, to offer insights from the full spectrum of the leadership community. We'll talk to former four-star students and explore their leadership development path. We'll work to find out what they are about today and learn from the opportunities they've made for themselves in this world. It's my distinct pleasure to welcome you to this podcast. Remember, leaders are not born, they're developed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Core Principles of Leadership with General Tommy Franks. I am your host, Delise Travis. We are on episode number eight with our very special guest, Dr. Jerry Davis. Dr. Davis will be sharing his thoughts on integrity, attitude, and character. Before we get into our program, we'll have a word from our major sponsor, REI Oklahoma. REI Oklahoma is proud to be a part of the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and the production and distribution of these podcasts designed to inspire leaders and difference makers. At REI Oklahoma, we have been working with small business leaders, entrepreneurs, and people who are driven to succeed for years. Highly motivated people working to own their own businesses, live in their own homes, and make the world a better place. Since its beginning, REI Oklahoma has continued to identify hurdles and deliver holistic solutions to create job growth and help neighborhoods thrive in both rural and urban communities. REI Oklahoma looks forward to visiting with you about helping your business and community grow. Visit reiok.org or call 800-658-2823 to start the conversation. And now we join our guest, Dr. Jerry Davis. As president of College of the Ozarks, Jerry Davis' tenure is among the longest in the United States. He is the author of a dozen books and has led the college in emphasizing its goal of patriotic education. He has received many awards and honors for his significant and lasting impact on the field of institutional advancement. The success of this working college led the New York Times to refer to it as Hard work, you. Good morning, Dr. Davis. Thank you so much for spending time with us this morning to visit with us about our four core principles of leadership, character, communication, common vision, and character. And you have asked me to discuss integrity, attitude, and character. And you are, as we mentioned, the president of College of the Ozarks. Would you share with us a little bit about where you started out in life, where you were born, your family? Sure. Uh, I'd be glad to do that. Um, I'm from Georgia, from a small town in Georgia. And the Mount Berry School for Boys was like an orphanage. It's similar in founding to the School of the Ozarks. And so like a lot of students that are here today and Unfortunately, a lot in the country. I came out of a troubled background. My uh, parents uh, split when I was a small boy. I had two brothers. And uh, without getting into a lot of details, it, it was not a good situation. So our grandfather uh, got legal custody to these three boys. 
and I was the middle one. Well, over the next uh, number of years, <clears throat> one of these little boys uh, got asked to leave school. You know, he went in the Navy. Another one um, was asked to leave school, and he went in the Army into a place called Vietnam. I was the middle one. I just fell in the track, cracks. Uh, I think uh, the struggle that we had uh, helped make us who we are today. And I, I don't think character can be developed without adversity. And um, so we managed to get beyond that and we've all done pretty well. I, I was interested in um, the sciences when I was in college. I majored in biology and chemistry. And I got a master's degree from University of Tennessee and a PhD from Ohio State. And then I taught two, three years and got involved with starting a nursing school and raising the money to do that. And eventually ended up as president of a small college in Kentucky. I've been in the college presidency 44 years. Uh, that's a different kind of combat than what some people experience. <laughs> I mean, if you can be in, if you can survive the college presidency 44 years, you've got to be pretty sure of who you are and where you're going in life. And it's been my privilege and my wife's privilege to uh, find our calling. We met at a church camp in North Carolina. So, you know, we've, we've traveled all over the world, all over the country, promoting this school that the Wall Street Journal likes to call hard work you. And uh, it, it's a interesting concept. Uh, our building blocks are the same building blocks that made America what it is. And God only knows the country needs to go back and restack its blocks, so to speak. I mean, some of the traditional values, hard work being one, uh, uh, honesty, integrity, uh, character, that's just not as prevalent as it was when I was growing up and coming out of the 60s. And I wrote a book recently about called Vietnam 101. And in there, I went back and compared the parallels between the Vietnam War uh, back then and what I see going on now. And um, so I'm betting on the younger generation. I think uh, the students who are here, I mean, they all have to work. They don't, like me, they don't have any money. And so they uh, go on to accomplish great things. I mean, we have, we produce four, four, uh, four generals, a one star, a two star, a three star, and a four star. That's just the way it came out. And not only do you not see patriotism reflected in American higher education the way it, it should, uh, name me one other four-year college that has a patriotic goal. Now, I, I can't, I don't think I can come up with one. And some of what I hear is going on at the military academies or uh, I'd call it mission drift. But I'm betting on the kids who are now uh, bring things around, so to speak, in the future. I think here, we want students to be at the table of influence. And in order to be at the table of influence, you must be well-educated, 
And uh, because if you're not, uh, then the uh, people who have another idea about America, they'll marginalize you. They, you they'll, they won't listen to you at all. So I think we, we got students here that make a difference. We've got, we operate a, a kindergarten, a grade school, a high school, a four-year college. Uh, students don't pay tuition. They all work. Uh, patriotic goal is being reflected in the new Knight Center for Patriotic Education, which will be dedicated on seven, on September the 17th. And so we're trying to take a leadership role and we, we would like for other colleges to pay attention to that and join us because uh, it, we're all in this together. And uh, I, I think that this school has something special to offer. So it's so very different. Uh, lots of people, thousands of them all over the country. They asked me, why do people support that school so much? And my answer is usually, we actually stand for something. You know, we don't have people sitting down during the national anthem or mocking the American flag or telling us how to run a school at all. Everybody here is in the same boat. And uh, I think their character is stronger when they get out. And so in, in that sense, we're very optimistic about the future. I see that your uh, mission, your vision and for the college is to develop citizens of Christ-like character who are well-educated, hardworking, and patriotic. And you say, we do what we say we will do, and our students do too. And I think that's very important to build trust in your relationships with other people. And that's a real foundation of relationship building. And, and that's so important, as you said, when you're at the table of influence is for people to have confidence in you and trust and, and know that your integrity stands for something. Yeah, you know, uh, when trust breaks down, uh, if you look at people who served in the military, like my two brothers did, they'll tell you right quick that it matters. It, it matters a, a lot that you inspire trust in those whom you desire to lead or they won't pay you any attention at all. So I think trust is a, uh, is something that, uh, if you lose it, it's hard to get it back. And, uh, during the Vietnam war, I saw the riots myself. I went to, went to see them and I fell in the cracks. Uh, although I certainly expected to be drafted like most other people my age, but during the Vietnam time, uh, the public, uh, became a lost confidence, uh, because for example, uh, uh, the country was misled by president Johnson who, uh, sent general Westmoreland around to tell everybody how great everything was going. And people got the idea of the war is almost over. And a few months later, the Tet offensive breaks out and we lost all that credibility. And he had, he, you know, he, I give him credit. He, he may have meant well, I don't think he did well, but so people lost confidence and that led to a, a disaster. Really, if you look at the, the way the war turns out, and if you look at the actions of the media and the Congress, it's not going to give you a good feeling. And uh, I feel very strongly that this country owes everybody that wears a uniform respect 
And I do not think the country has shown proper respect for Vietnam veterans. And uh, I, I mentioned that in the book that I wrote is that I think the, I think people now would like to have a better feeling. Uh, people, even the ones that I wouldn't agree with, they uh, know that that was wrong to treat veterans coming home from the war like the enemy. I mean, I interviewed, I've interviewed lots of Vietnam veterans and, and they tell me their experiences and their stories. And I think, well, that is awful. I mean, not only did they watch their friends die and some of them a gruesome death. So they came home and people spit on them and threw stuff on them. And, and, uh, what do we do about it? We American citizens, what? I mean, I, I, I don't think that's, we finally built a memorial after a few years. Well, good. We built one here too, but memorials don't talk. People do. So I'm hoping that the Congress will uh, pass a resolution apologizing to Vietnam veterans and their families for the way many of them were treated during the war. And it's, it's encouraging to see the nice things being said about those who have been serving in Afghanistan. Uh, because they were over there, just like in Vietnam, doing what this country asked them to do. They were put at risk. We all know that. So I think that at this college, by having a patriotic goal, that we're reminding young people that there is a price for their freedom and somebody else paid for it. They didn't. Yes, sir. And I see, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think they deserve all of our respect. And I, I wanted to bring to light that you were appointed to the President's uh, Advisory of the 70, 1776 Commission. Do you want to share a little bit of your thoughts on, on that? I don't know if we have time for me to share all my thoughts on that. It was an interesting experience. And, uh, you know, uh, those were well-respected Patriots serving on that thing. I mean, uh, my old friend Ben Carson and others, uh, I think, are good role models and examples in this country. We were trying, we are trying to affirm what America was is all about and what it was designed to be. Students need to know about the founding of this country and what the founders had to say, because that matters. Otherwise, it's just a arbitrary uh, abuse of power being used by people that have only power and money in mind. So uh, we have already met since, uh, since the original few meetings, and I, I think we'll be meeting into the future. And uh, we need to speak on things like some of what's going on in higher education and, and even in the grade schools and so forth, because that's the only goal we have is uh, is to be honest about the founding. If you read the 1776 commission, we didn't leave anything out. I mean, I mean, there, there are people who say, oh, you know, we're trying to cover up this. Well, why don't you read it? You know, I said that on national TV, go read the thing. Quit letting people tell you how to think. And so I think that we had it right. And I think others, need to pay attention to it. And we owe, I think we owe our gratitude to those who took the abuse and did it. 
<laughs> yes, sir. And I, I think that is quite an honor to be appointed to that commission and hopefully it will move forward in the future. If I could quote you in um, being assigned to that, you said we must reinforce American ideals and values at this critical time in history. Some in our nation seek to erase any distinct sense of American identity or American exceptionalism from our hearts, minds, and history books. As America heads towards its 250th anniversary in 2026, Ronald Reagan's prophetic statement still rings true, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction without patriotic education, Historic American values and virtues will cease to exist in America's youth. And you all are doing a, an outstanding job there at you, your university. And so I'm thinking, was the university um, a working college when you took over? What year did you take over in the college? I know that it was established in 1906. And what year did you start there? You have the longest tenure of a college president of hardly anyone in the United States. So well, actually, uh, I mean, I went to Mountberry School for Boys was exactly the same model as the old school of the Ozarks. I mean, we all worked. We, uh, we even wore uniforms. Uh, I saw that in the description. It was very interesting. Yeah. I thought it probably gave you the focus that you needed to move forward with all the accomplishments. Well, you know, you if you look at the in this case, boys that later they later took in girls, but they needed something that was structured. I mean, a lot of young people need that today. Even the environment that's here, it's more structured than you would find at a, another college, and that's a good thing because then they know where the bounds are. They they know uh, what's expected, and and they do it. We don't have a lot of. We never have had a whole lot of student problems here. It's hard to get into the school. And uh, so I went from, I went to a work school. I was president of a work college in Kentucky for 11 years. And then I came here because I thought this is a big challenge. And I want to know more about this patriotic goal. I never, I've never heard that before. And so it, it kind of attracted me because I thought I had at that little school and done about all I could do. And so we've spent 33 or 34 years here. And this is, that's just a remarkable place. So you've been there 34 years. Well, going on 34. Yeah. I came in that's, 88. That's amazing. So you are. Yeah, it is amazing. It's, it's, it's probably a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Try, try getting rid of tenure and a few other things. So that's what I was, when I read the description of the Mount Berry School and I saw that it was very similar to the school that uh, the College of the Ozarks. My personal opinion, I am sure that many others who support you think that what you're doing to instill the integrity, attitude, and character in your students is so important. Can you tell me about your um, character education and the Keter Center for Character Education. Yeah, I mean, we of course have had care, uh, courses dealing with that, but we have a, uh, uh, a uh, forum or a series of speakers that are brought in that we think have something to say. Tommy Franks was one of them. Schwarzkopf was one of them. 
uh, you know, like a Margaret Thatcher was one, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, they all been here and they all say the same thing to me. Why aren't there more schools like this in America? Now I didn't tell lady Thatcher, who is my favorite, by the way, how many you got over there in great Britain? I didn't ask her that, but she was so fascinated. You know, students here, they make jellies and fruitcakes and we have a dairy and a hog farm. It's like a town. So I took her over to the fruitcake jelly kitchen. She rolled up her hands and I, well, she knew a whole lot more about a fruitcake than I did. And uh, she asked lots of questions. And I was so impressed because I thought, you know, all the distinguished people who come here don't have that kind of time, but she did. And that was very, very, very impressive. And, uh, and she talked a lot about American history. And I'm sitting there on the stage and thinking she knows more about American history than I do. I mean, she did. And so <laughs> her speech that night, she got off on balance in the budget. And I think back then, uh, John Ashcroft was Senator. We had him down here. He sung the national anthem. But anyway, she turned to him and said, only she could get away with this. Right? Said, um, well, now, Johnny, you go back up there to Washington and balance the budget. That's what you need. To do. <laughs> so I don't think he was used to being told how to balance the budget. Nobody else has been able to do it much. So I think she had a lot right. And we, and the, the British are our friends, you know, and it's, it's, it's not encouraging to throw your allies under the bus and, you know, over in Vietnam, I mean, the South Koreans fought and died beside Americans, Australians, uh, Taiwan. I mean, it's, we have lots of friends, but when we tell people that we're going to do something, that we're going to be a friend, then by gosh, we ought to do it and not pull the wool over their eyes or throw them on the, under the bus on the way out of town. So um, I think the uh, patriotic goal here is really the only one of the five goals that makes the school truly different. I mean, every college has got an academic goal. They all think they're going to Harvard, which nobody, we don't need that, but that's, that's what they, they want to do. And, uh, you know, the work ethic, there are nine work colleges. I've been chairman of that group. Uh, then we have a cultural goal. Well, that, that's an interesting thing to discuss right now. And then they have a, a, a Christian goal. And it's been there since 1906. We didn't, I didn't dream it up. I came here, but I came to carry out the mission, not change it. And I said so when I came here, that that I would carry out the mission of the school. It re reflected who I was, and anything that got in my way was going to get shoved aside because the mission of the school is more important than I am or anybody else around here. And so I think we've done a good job of of maintaining our focus, and uh, that we teach things that. I don't think others are teaching. And now let's pause for just a moment to hear from one of our great sponsors. Hello, this is Jay Zacharias with the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum, and I would like to tell you about one of our partner sponsors. His name is Justin Krieger, and he has worked as an independent insurance agent at Krieger Insurance Agency in his hometown of Hobart, Oklahoma since 1999. Justin is honored to help with the annual Celebration of Freedom event and has been a board member for the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum for many years. He is also a fifth-generation farmer and rancher in Kiowa County. 
where cattle, crops, and even insurance is sold with a handshake. Give them a call at 580-726-3076 or come by the office if you would like to speak with Justin Krieger or Kathy Lankford about insurance. We are thankful to our customers and friends who have supported us through the years. Again, Justin would like to say how honored he is to live in such a great country and how proud he is to help sponsor these podcasts. Please enjoy the rest of this podcast experience from your friends at Krieger Insurance Agency. Can you tell me a little bit about the kinds of jobs that students have there um, in a work college? Well, in a way, every place you find work, you're going to find a student. We have three buildings under construction. Well, the students and the staff are building those buildings. We have a dairy. They, you can go over there if you want to come over and go over at 4.30 in the morning, and I'll let them show you how to milk a cow. I mean, we, have, we have a hog farm. We, we, have, uh, we make things in the flour mill. Uh, we have a big lodge. It's called the Keter Center. That's uh, rated by TripAdvisors, the number one destination in Branson. Uh, we make, uh, I mean, we grow some of our food, and uh, um, wherever there's labor required, the students not far behind, and they they like it. They do it willingly, and uh, I mean, after all, working you get an education like this, and, and not have to go in debt. We don't even write loans over here. How many times have you heard a college president tell you that? They run out of here and borrow money to meet the payroll. We don't. So I think what you see here is a lot of what we would hope would be prevalent in all higher education. Absolutely. And so the Keter Center is a lodge where the public can come stay and it's totally managed by students. Is that what you're telling me? I'm telling you that about three to 400 students. That's I mean, people, I call on people all over the United States that talk about, well, I was up in that big log building you got. Well, it's big. And I'm talking to a student from Rocky Comfort or wherever else. And, and, and then they tell me about what the student told them. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I, I don't have to do anything other than uh, produce the, the building or get them to show up because the student's the best salesman we have. Can you give me um, a success story of one or two of your students from the work education program and kind of share a little bit about those. You said that you have four different generals that have graduated. Share a couple of stories real quickly about your success uh, of your students and share that for us. Yeah, we did produce four generals, uh, two Marine, two Air Force. We're working on the Army right now. Uh, all students here have to take a patriotic education course, which includes military science, which used to be common. Well, people don't know anything about the military anymore. It, I mean, young people, the ones we've taken on trips to back to the battle sites all over the world. I mean, they, they want to learn. I had a kid stand on Omaha beach one time and tell me, well, I had no idea this happened here. And I'm thinking, what cave have you been living in? I mean, Omaha beach. I thought everybody knew what Omaha beach was not Omaha, not Omaha, I mean, uh, not Nebraska, but Omaha Beach, uh, Omaha, Nebraska is another thing. And so they like they like learning about our history and where these battles are fought. And and when you when you take a student, which I've done myself more than once, to a place like Wave City, Quezon, 
Contiens, uh, Saigon, wherever. And they're standing there beside somebody who fought there and described to us how their friends died there. That's a different kind of education what you get out of some history books. Probably not accurate anyway. Depends on who wrote it. So they... <laughs> First, it's like a hands-on education. It's like a laboratory, you know? Yeah, so you're teaming students with veterans to, to learn about history and about patriotism. Yeah, yeah, we are. And uh, I think it's one of the more meaningful things that I've done in 45 years of doing this because, you know, the student... I mean, I bet some of them couldn't find Vietnam on a map. Well, that would probably extend to half of Washington, I think, sometime. They don't, they don't know anything about it. And so when they hear about it, or if they measure that against what they've been told about it, which was filtered through the media, well, you know about how accurate that was. I mean, they're getting the true story from people who fought those battles and the stories that these guys tell. I mean, one guy, he was a Navy corpsman. And he was assigned to a Marine detachment at Quezon. And he stood on the runway. I stood right beside him. And he pointed to the mountains up around the, the runway. And he said, these mountains are bathed in American blood. Well, that's a pretty powerful statement. Well, they were in a lot of other blood. So the student knows now what, it, what is sacrifice. And what's war really like? It's, it's not a computer game. I mean, it's pain and death and destruction. And I think that's something they need to understand. I absolutely agree. And so how many students do you have there at the College of the Ozarks? Well, the college is limited to 1,500. And then the, we operate the, the lab school. It's called School of the Ozarks. Uh, another 300. I mean, we go all the way from a daycare to the uh, kindergarten, to the grade school, to the high school. And then of course, four years of college, all in one place. And you mentioned it's very difficult. The um, application process, it's very difficult to be accepted there in your university. Can you kind of describe what, uh, what you're looking for in students there at College of the Ozarks? Well, they have to be interviewed to get in. So we're looking for students who fit what it is we were founded to do. Uh, we were trying to help uh, kids who don't have money to afford an education, especially one like this. And, uh, you know, we get an average uh, ACT of 23, and we, we, um, we get students that um, don't have anywhere else to go, I guess you'd say. And we, we usually get three or 4,000 a year. And that's, you don't hear that much nowadays. Well, then why do we get all these? Because the school is, does what it says it does. And people, they want their kids to come here. And so, um, you know, the parents come with them, they're interviewed and they have to sign a compliance form to agree to our, our expectations. So it's not like we're hiding it from anybody. It's just that you got to buy into the whole program where we let somebody else in that wants it. 
And so the students have to step up and that's what um, leadership is all about is right. a person that is willing to step up and take responsibility and have the integrity and the character and the attitude of what you're looking for in a student at College of the Ozarks and, and what you stand for and the kind of students that you want to graduate from your university. And I know that they go on and do some, some really great things. And you are an example of for your students and I think that's wonderful. And the speakers that you bring in as well, they are a wonderful example to the students. And I know that a lot of those speakers probably started out in, in tougher situations and that's what built their character and their integrity and, they, and their focus. That's what hard work gives us focus. And so you're, I know you have a, is it a motto of hard work you? Can you tell me and we can finish up on that real quickly? Yeah, that was uh, the moniker, the name given to the college by the Wall Street Journal 50 years ago. And it's trademark. I mean, so hard work you really uh, defines a lot about what the school really is. I think that's great. So is that kind of your motto or is it just a trademark that you've kept uh, that was given by the Wall Street Journal those many years ago? Students would tell you that it's very real. Oh, I, I'm sure that they would. Uh, absolutely. And I know it, it is. It is, but I mean, it, it does catch the public's attention and, uh, and, it, and it reminds students uh, of something that's important. Um, so yeah, hard work you, that, that's become uh, stamped into the soul of the school, so to speak. Well, Dr. Davis, thank you so much. I promised that we wouldn't take too much of your time. And I think that we have, um, uh, we appreciate so much that you have shared with us your thoughts on integrity, attitude, and character, which are so in line with General Frank's four core principles of leadership, and that is character, communication, common vision, and uh, caring. And I think that um, it's it's so great to have you and share your story with our with our listening public and our students. And we thank you so and I'm eager to come and visit your school and, and eager to come to the Keter Center and experience that lodge. I think it would be great. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. Uh, come on over. Branson's only one mile away. We're all looking, always looking for another tourist. Well, great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you again to REI Oklahoma for making this podcast possible. For nearly 40 years, the board, staff, patrons, and supporters of the nonprofit economic development REI Oklahoma are committed to expanding Oklahoma's economic prosperity, earning the reputation of being one of the most comprehensive economic development organizations in the country. Business loans, training workshops, business consulting, and networking opportunities, as well as technical assistance and even commercial business space are made available to Oklahoma entrepreneurs and small businesses. For low and moderate income individuals and families, down payment and or closing cost assistance is offered. Learn more at reiok.org.
This has been the Four Star Leadership Podcast. Now it's your turn, Four Star listeners. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and let us know what you thought of this episode. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tune in next month for our next episode that airs every last Friday each month. Go be great.